and he adds no sorrow with it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. I know that's in the book of Proverbs, but we're starting in Mark. Glory to God. Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 17. I want to show you this uh, story. So uh, I believe that it's God's plan for uh, his people uh, to be prospered. I think more so in the hour that we're living in, it's God's desire for his people to walk in supernatural abundance in every area of life. God wants you to abound in grace. He wants you to abound in anointing. He wants you to abound in uh, the uh, infilling of the Holy Ghost. He wants you to abound with healing, health, wholeness. He wants you to abound with uh, insight. Uh, he wants you to know more about what's coming in the future than you ever did before. Amen. God wants you to know about and, and to abound in all kinds of stuff. But one of the areas that God wants you to abound in is in your finances. Right. And there's a reason why. Number one, uh, let, me, let me tell you, let me get, before we read this, I'm going to tell you the reasons why God wants you to be blessed. Number one reason why God wants you to be blessed financially is uh, to, uh, so that we can uh, uh, preach the gospel. So that we can fulfill his purpose by ministering the word of God because more dollars equals more souls, period. The more, the more money you put in my hand, the more people I can reach for the Lord Jesus. That's just, that's just a fact. And that, that's not true of every ministry, but ministries that are going after the lost, ministries that are winning the lost, ministries that are going after doing the work of God. You put more dollars in their hands, they're going to do more for the Lord Jesus. Amen. And I know there's some people, they think about different ministries, you know, and I'm, I may have shared this uh, during revival. They think about different ministries like Ken Copeland, and, and, and they'll talk about, oh, Ken Copeland, you know, he's got all this money, and he's, you know, what does he do? My God, he don't need a jet, and he don't need this, he don't need that. But what people don't know is that Ken Copeland not only does ministry himself, but he's supportive of other ministries. We, we, saw, we saw him, we saw him uh, play a video of a Reinhard Bunky crusade where millions of people heard the gospel and hundreds of thousands of people responded to the altar call of that Reinhard Bunky meeting. And it was being, that meeting was being shown in a Ken Copeland meeting. And people were wondering why Ken Copeland is showing a Reinhard Bunky video. And when he got up after the video, he said, some of you wondering why I showed a Reinhard Bunky video. He said, because you all paid for that crusade. It was your dollars, what you, what you have sown in this ministry. We wrote Reinhard Bonnke a check for that crusade right there. And your, your offerings and your reward is with Reinhard Bonnke in that meeting that he did. Hundreds of thousands of souls won to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the number one reason why God wants you to, to have more than enough is so that the gospel will be preached, so that you can finance the work of God in, in, the, in, the, in these last days, and the gospel can be spread all over the world. Amen. That's number one reason. Number two reason why God wants you to be blessed financially is to destroy the works of the devil. To destroy the works of the devil. You say, well, how does money destroy the works of the devil? Well, there's a fellow, he had a small church. He's gone to be with the Lord recently. His name is Cho. David Cho, I think, was his name before he died. Yonggi Cho is who he started out as. But he built a little church over there in, uh, in South Korea. And uh, uh, maybe a million members is what it uh, got to. But as this church reached a million members, there was, a, there was an article written in a newspaper that was negative against the church. And it caused a whole lot of problems in the church. And so Cho, when he started this church, he started in his living room, like many churches start. 
And the men that started this church with him, they were impoverished. They were, many of them didn't have anything. They didn't have two pennies to rub together. They were struggling, you know, in their lives. They were struggling financially. But Dr. Cho uh, taught them the principles of God's word. And as he taught them the principles of God's word, they began to apply the principles of God's word to his life. And so those men that started with him, they started out, he started them, you know, teaching them the principles of tithing and offering, giving. And they, they started to tithe. Many of the men that were with him in the beginning were tithing 10% of their uh, income in the beginning, but later on were tithing 90% of their income and living off of 10%. They had become multiplied millionaires and were still living large off of 10%, selling 90% of their income. So, in fact, some of them, I didn't know this, I found this out later, uh, someone had, had told me, that some of them actually made Jesus the CEO of their companies, legally. <laughs> can we make Jesus the CEO? Yeah, you can make Jesus. I mean, they put Jesus as the chief executive officer of their companies. It was, it's just crazy to hear the stories. And they did it legally. I mean, it was, it, was, it was legal for them to do it. It was crazy. So these guys, now that there are a million members, these guys are like his, David's mighty men. They, they're the wealthiest men in the church. They're the most influential men in the church. They've been there to help. Some of them are uh, pastors underneath Cho. Because you got to have, for a million people, you got more than one pastor. You understand? You're going to have a lot of people helping you out. So when they ran the article and all this upheaval was going on in the church, um, they had a board meeting. He had a meeting with these men. And he's like, what do we do? There's a lot of trouble, a lot of people leaving the church over this article. So they started brainstorming, trying to figure out how to you know, control the damage and, and help people out. And one of them said, I have an idea. Let's buy the newspaper. Let's buy the newspaper. And he said, well, do we have enough, you know, in the general fund to pay for the pay? The guy says, don't worry about it. I'll buy the newspaper. I'll buy the newspaper. I'll take care of it, Pastor. The next day, the guy went out, bought the newspaper, ran a good article about the church, and the church abounded. See, money will destroy the works of the devil. Are y'all hearing me today? Now, I know some of you are like, I'm not interested. Well, you ought to get interested. Because 90, 90%, 90, over 90% of people in church don't do diddly squat financially for the church. Less than 10% of the church carries 100% of the financial burden of the church. In fact, honestly, if I was to be honest about it, I think it's around 2.5% of the church actually carries the financial burden of the entire work of the church. Because people not interested, because people don't think it, they'll, they'll, y'all are hearing me right now and you don't think this is spiritual. Some of you aren't operating in the, in the ministry God's called you to because you plugged up in the area of finances, because, you, because you're spiritually, spiritually constipated when it comes to money. And you don't realize that, that your, your, your concept of, of money and finances, plus you. here's what people don't know. Now, I've been, I've been preaching revival and having, not just preaching revival, but having revival regularly break out for months and months on end um, since 1999, seven months, eight months of revival. Do you know, what, you know what's common about every one of those revival meetings? When people get free with the fire of God, when people begin to get caught up in the flow of the Holy Ghost in revival, all of a sudden, finances break out. And I'm not talking about a little bit. We were, we were when we went to, uh, and I know I keep threatening to read that verse. I'm going to read it in a second. I'm just trying to set you up. Get, get everything 
get, what, how you say? I'm, I'm, preparing the, I'm preparing the launching pad here. We went to a church in Rush Springs, Oklahoma. The pastor had asked me to come there. He was a, he was a, New, a New Englander. He had that Boston, you know, New England accent. Come preach my church, brother. And I was like, okay. He was in New England at the time. I said, sure, I'll come preach at your church. But months and months and months later, you know, I told a lot of pastors I'd come preach, but sometimes I only preach in two churches a year because revival will break out in a church and I'll be there seven months and then I'll go to the next church and we'll break out in another seven-month revival. And so I broke out in about four or five revivals two years later. You know, I'd only been in two churches, three, three churches, but two years later, I'm at the end of the third church that I'm at, and he's like, brother, you said you was going to come. I said, I've been in revival. He said, yeah, but he said you was going to come. I said, no, just in the same churches. I said, at the last church I was in, I was in there for eight months. He's like, well, come to, will you come to my church next? I said, sure. So I scheduled with him after we, after we ended that ride, I scheduled with him for one day. We were scheduled for a Sunday morning. And by then, he had moved from New England to Rush Springs, Oklahoma. I was thinking I was going to New England. I end up in Rush Springs. So anyway, I go on a Sunday morning to Rush Springs, and when I get there, they had that, you know, back in the day, they used to put that little church up that had the numbers on it. You told how much money came in that week and what the record offering was, attendance that week, record attendance. Well, the attendance, the attendance at that church, the, the, uh, the week I was there was 2022. 20, 22, something like that. And their record attendance was like 34. Their record, their offering the previous week was like $197. Their record offering was like 350. The pastor of the church told me later on that they had never received more than $500 in a week in the offering in that church uh, ever. And so this church was, was in a bad way. So I'm up there, and I, I preached the morning service, and the power of God fell, and you could tell revival was in the atmosphere. So the pastor, the pastor at the end of the service, he's like, brother, how about, you know, what do you think? What are you doing tonight? I said, well, I reckon I'm going to be back here tonight. So I came back to the night service. That night, the Lord told me, he said, you're going to hang in here, and you're going to get these people broke out. I said, all right. So we hung out there. We ended up being there for 27 weeks, 27 weeks of revival. That church had never had more than $500 come in the offering. Our offering in the first week was $1,000. Second week was $1,500. Third week, it went back to $1,000, but the following week, it went to $5,000. The largest offering we received in that church on one night was $36,000. That was in one night. Before we left that church, over a quarter of a million dollars had come in our offering. And the church had broken out financially big time. There, there was an elder that got upset in that meeting and was like, this revival will happen over my dead body. I'm telling you the truth. He said, this revival is going to happen over my dead body. The next week he was dead. The next week he was dead. I'm telling the truth, aren't I, Ted? His wife came and was like, y'all don't seem upset. Well, we broke out in a greater revival after he died. Listen, don't be that person. Don't be that person. Don't be that person that when you leave the room, God moves. Don't be the person that has to be kicked out before God can do something great. Don't be like them people that had to be kicked out before Jesus could raise the dead. 
Some of you resemble that right now. See, for some of you, this is a test. And some of you failing. You, you, think you, you, think you're going to, you think you're going to battle an onslaught of the devil to win this nation to Christ and to see the miraculous. And you can't sit through a meeting where someone's talking about money? The devil's already got your number, knows how to whip you. Amen. See, that, that's why these things are important. Amen. That's why whenever revival breaks out, all of a sudden finances become of no importance to, really to anybody. I, I never go anywhere with an idea of, man, we need this much money. We've got to have the... I've, 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 I haven't had to go preach for money for years. Amen. Thank God. I just, I just go wherever he tells me to go. And you know what? I say whatever he tells me to say. And it don't matter to me whether people get upset and withhold their offering. It's like, keep it. You're going to need it. Keep your offering. Choke on it. I don't care. I got my own money. You're going to suffer. I ain't suffering. I'm going to fly out of here just like I flew in. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Amen. We've got to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. We've got to destroy the works of the devil. You, listen, you, you've got to begin to resist the devil when it comes out. Now, I know some of you are like, well, you know, it bothers me. It just doesn't settle right my, in my heart. No, it's not your heart. It's your head. You have to eradicate stinking thinking. Because when you get over in that flow, I mean, you'll break out big time. That church broke out. In every church I've ever been to, we've seen an incredible breakthrough for everyone. When they get in the flow of revival, the first thing that breaks is finance for everybody. The third reason why God wants to bless you financially is because he loves you. You're his kids. Because the Bible says that uh, if you ask him for bread, he won't give you a stone. If you ask him for fish, he won't give you a snake. That if he'll take care of the lilies and he'll take care of the birds and he'll take care of the field, he'll take care of you. Amen. Amen. Glory. Not just barely enough, but more than enough. Say more than enough. So, uh, Mark chapter 10, let's read this. I want to show, show, uh, show you a scripture here that will help you to understand, hopefully help you to understand some of the things that we will face as we begin to open up our hearts to the Lord in pursuit of the fullness of his blessing uh, being in our life. Boy, there's so much more that I want to say too, and... and uh, I think the reason why the Lord got me straight financially was because, you know, uh, for everything there is in the spirit, there's something in the natural that mirrors it. We have H2O, we have in the natural, in the spirit we have living water. There's natural fire and then there's Holy Ghost fire. Amen. You know, there's, there's trees in the natural, but you, those trees in the spirit, they're different. Well, in the natural... You ever hear this? Money is power. You ever hear that? In the natural, there's a golden rule in the natural. He that has the gold makes the rules. Come on. 
That's why the church never been that influential. I praise the Lord. Ain't no politicians trying to come, come to little broke churches. No, they're going after those big influential churches that have money. Notice we never had no poor president. They don't put poor people in. They don't put poor people in the in the. Oh, come on, Jesus. And and then the devil's got the church. Oh, yeah, Lord, he this how he wants me. Amen. No, Lord wants you to be influential. Lord wants you walking in the room and everybody know you walked in. Amen. Instead of you going to the bank for a loan, Lord wants the bank to come to you for a loan. Amen. Can you imagine the bank sitting at the other end of the table from you, asking you for your money? Amen. So money is power in the natural. In the spirit, the anointing is power. The anointing is power in the spirit. Money is power in the natural. Now, God can't trust you with natural power, something you can feel with your hands and you can see with your... If God can't trust... What makes you think he can trust you with the anointing? So we got to get these things straight. All right, here's a fellow needed to get it straight. And when... Uh, Chapter 10, verse 17, this is Jesus, and this story of the rich young ruler, some of you recognize it. It says, and when he was gone forth into the way, talking about Jesus, that finally, I know, finally, my brethren, he's reading. And when, there, and when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So what's the subject here? What's the subject here? All right, so the, the subject isn't money, the subject isn't uh, the economy, the subject isn't baptism or anything like that. The subject is eternal life. So this fellow comes to Jesus, and the Bible calls him the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus, and he asks him about eternal life. What must I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. So Jesus tells the rich young ruler, here's what you've got to do to inherit eternal life. Um... You know the commandments, don't commit adultery, don't, don't, don't kill, don't steal, don't bear false witness, because they're under the old covenant. So he tells them all these things, honor your father and mother. And this guy's response is, to me, is amazing. He answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. We know who he's talking to. He's talking, he's not just talking to a man here, he's talking to God manifest in the flesh. He's talking to the man Christ Jesus. And he tells Jesus, I've done all these things. I've done all these things. Look what Jesus responds. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, one thing you lack. Ooh, wouldn't you like Jesus to say you only lack one thing? One thing you lack. <laughs> Listen, I've never lacked just one thing. I'll tell you right now. One thing thou lackest. And look what he says. Now, again, listen to me. What are they, what are they talking about? 
eternal life. Say it again. Say it again. Now listen, they're not just, Jesus isn't just talking to, listen to me, Linda. Jesus isn't just, see, I, I grew up from the video. That was me. Anyway. <laughs> we, when, we hear, when we hear that Jesus was talking about eternal life, we get the idea that Jesus was talking about just living forever. But Jesus wasn't talking about, do you know who's going to live forever? Do you all know who's going to live forever? Everyone. Not just Christians. Everyone lives forever. It's just where you're going to spend forever that has to be determined. Whether you're going to spend it in heaven or whether you're going to spend it in hell. Whether you're going to spend it with God or whether you're going to spend it with Lucifer. That's the only, that's the only question. But everyone will live forever. Jesus wasn't talking about living forever. He was talking about eternal life. Eternal life is more than just living forever. It is, it's not just the quantity of life. It's the quality of life that God has to offer us as, as believers. Amen. When the Bible said in the, in the book of Corinthians, when the Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about a new kind of life, a new kind of living. You're no longer the same. Amen. You, you all of a sudden began to participate and take, and take a part of and to uh, uh, partake of a different kind of life, the God kind of life. The heavenly life, the same kind of life that Jesus, the, the same kind of life that Jesus emulated while he was here on earth. When Jesus was here on earth, he went from one place to another. Uh, glory to God. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting more excited about preaching this than you are about hearing it. But anyway, he exuded, he exuded eternal life. What, what did Peter say? Remember, remember, when, remember when Jesus was preaching and he, and he had thousands, tens of thousands of people following him. And Jesus looked at those people. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no place in my kingdom. Anybody remember when that happened? It's in the Gospels. And Jesus was talking about them having to uh, partake of suffering that he, would, that he would endure in his death, burial, and resurrection, that they would, that they would uh, suffer persecution, that there would come trouble. And, and he, but when he spoke that, the Bible says that they, came, they became offended at him, and all of them left him except for the 12. All of them left him except for the 12. And when, when, when all those 70,000 people left him, Jesus turns to the 12 and he says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said something, oh, glory to God. Peter said something that I believe tells a, a, a story that, that this generation needs to hear. He says to Jesus, he says, Lord, where would I go? For you alone have the words of eternal life. In other words, Peter was saying, Jesus, there's something that you're carrying that nobody else carries. We know it's the truth because the Bible says that when people looked at Jesus, they said he spoke with one that had authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees. There was something about him. Even after his death, the Bible says that when uh, Peter and John did that miracle at the gate beautiful and Peter came out preaching to the scribes, they looked at them and they saw that they were unlearned men and they perceived that they had been with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. 
You know what? Some people can look at us. And by the way, when we go out today, after we leave here, if we go to a restaurant, some people will look at you and they'll be able to tag you as a church person. They'll know you've been to church. That there's a church person. Some people can, you know what, I'm, I've, I've gotten so good at it over the years that I can almost tell you what church different people go to. I mean, just sit me in the buffet, I can tell you, that's Assembly of God right there. That's apostolic. That's Church of God right there. You got a man come in there, look like he's bringing his mother in there. That's holiness right there. <laughs> but church, we've got to come away and see that you, some of you think that I'm, I'm, I'm talking about supernatural increase. I'm talking about God's blessing in the area of finance. But what you don't realize is that I'm not going to sit here and talk to you about just giving money. See, that's the first thing that starts going through someone's mind when I go to start talking about these things. What I need to persuade you of is that there's a better life. God God didn't call you to live a regular life. God called you to live a better life, a life that's extraordinary, a life that goes above and beyond anything that this world has ever been able to offer. I don't care. You can go, you can be around the richest people, the wealthiest people, the most affluent people, the most popular people, the most famous people, the people that have the most notoriety, people that are legendary, and you're not going to find in them what you find in the life of Christ. Amen. What you find in there's something about eternal life in Christ. I'm telling you, it's untapped. There, there. Glory to God. In the church today, that that life has been untapped by God's people. We got mega churches, no mega Christians. We've got people that can be identified as going to church, but now people you can. Most people can't be identified as having been with Jesus. I'm preaching now, aren't I, Dad? Say eternal life. So that's what we're, that's, we're looking for the same thing that the rich young ruler was looking for. We're not looking for more money, although we're going to receive the blessing that comes with walking in supernatural increase because supernatural increase goes beyond finance. Supernatural increase goes beyond just money. Supernatural increase means that you'll be increased in every way. Increased in anointing, increased in grace, increased in favor. Amen. Your words, the way, the way people perceive what you say, the way they hear you. Amen. Listen, you'll start, to, you'll start to occupy positions you're not qualified for. Glory to God. You'll start to, you'll start to receive harvests out of fields you didn't plan in. You'll start, to live in, you'll start to live in cities that you didn't build. Glory to God. Some of you ought to shout about this. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Say eternal life. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, I'm going to take, take a detour here. I was expecting this. <laughs> it's been a while since we talked. We talked about this on a Wednesday. 
This is similar to what happened to, uh, Eli- with Elijah and Elisha. Go to the book of 2 Kings. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> glory. Ted, I'm about to slap you with my Bible. That's okay. Glory. <laughs> uh, look what it says. And it came to pass that when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Terry, Terry, here I pray thee, for the Lord hath, the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. Now let me, let me ask you a question. Y'all realize that Elisha was Elijah's uh, spiritual son, right? That God, had, that God had called and ordained their, uh, their connection, that God was in it, and that it was God's intention to, uh, to bless Elisha with what the Bible calls a double portion of the anointing that was upon Elijah. It's, we know that because we've read the story, right? So we, we know that's true. So have you ever thought how strange it is that when, when, when it comes right down to the time that Elijah is about to be taken away into heaven, that Elijah seemingly, if you read this, script, this story, it seems like Elijah's trying to ditch Elisha, like he's trying to get rid of him. Now, no father in their right mind would try to ditch their son. So there's something going on here that the church, I don't think, really has dug into um, we, we, did a, we did a bit of a study on it. We never finished it because we hardly ever finish anything around here. But <laughs> when it comes to, you know, a, a, a series of teachings because we always seem to move on um, to something else. But must needs be. Anyway, but it says it came to pass when the Lord would take Elijah into heaven by whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Terry, here I pray thee for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. So he tells Elisha, wait here, I'm going to go to Bethel. So that word tarry in this verse of scripture is the word yoshev. That word yoshev means wait here, but it also means this, take everything in, in this moment. Take everything in, in this place. Experience fully where you're at right now. So I don't think Elijah was telling Elisha, stay here. I think what he was saying was, take this in. Because we're going on to someplace else. Now look what he, look what he said. Look what he says. And the, Elisha's words are incredible. These are incredible words. Terry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, now look at, look at, these, look at this scripture. As the, I, I, I'll walk over to that one on another day. But look at this. Now, I wish this one had the italicized, but it says, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Tyler, go to my office, will you? That book is on the, sh- it's, you'll see it, it's laying there. It's not even in the, it's not even in the uh, bookshelf. As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. Next verse. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth. Uh, to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. Next verse. And Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came 
to Jericho. And, and it goes on like this. So, yes, and it goes on like this. So I want you to, th- this was the book we were studying out of. You can tell I liked the book because it's tore up. Uh, if you can find it in print anywhere, I would recommend you buy it. Most people that I've told about this book can't find it. It's called The Crown Prince Anointing, written by a man by the name of Ron Cottle. But I want you to, uh, I want you to hear uh, the way that he, uh, glory to God. I want you to hear the way that he, glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want you to hear how he, how he described these verses. So does someone have a paper Bible? You have a paper Bible? Yeah. All right. In your paper Bible, um, ver- verse 4, it says, And Elijah said unto Elisha, Terry, here I pray thee, for the Lord had sent me to Bethel. And he said, now, at that part, and he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. There, if you look in there, oh, you don't. Oh, that's okay. Someone else have a paper Bible? Okay. Uh, Brandon. So when you look at that paper Bible, it says, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, do you see a bunch of italicized words in that verse of scripture? All right, so there's some words in here that are italicized. Let me, look, let me use your Bible. What version is this? New King James. That'll work. So in, in, in a paper Bible, in, the, in these verses of scripture, You'll find, you'll find, um, oh, I think they started italicizing them in the, in the yes, they, they, they did, didn't they? Yes, yeah, I can read out of mind then. So they didn't use to italicize the word. So when you find italicized words in your Bible, those italicized words were put there because of this. Translators added those words to try to bring clarity to those verses of Scripture. So those words weren't in the original text. They were added in an attempt to bring clarity to the verse of Scripture. So when you read this verse, especially what Elisha said, it brings, it brings a, different, uh, a different meaning to this, uh, these verses of Scripture. So I'm going to read it to you without the italicized uh, words. So it says, Elisha said, unto him is italicized, so that's there. As is italicized, so that's not there. So Elisha said, the Lord liveth. And that word as is italicized, so that's not there. So here's how that that portion of Scripture reads. And Elisha said, the Lord liveth, and thy soul liveth. I will not leave thee. So the way that verse of Scripture reads in the original is this way. The Lord liveth, and thy soul liveth. I will not leave thee. Amen. <laughs> Seems like some of you are interested to find out what that means. So here's what, here's, here's, here's what he was saying. When you translate it in from the Hebrew, it says this. It says, Yahweh lives. Yahweh's life is in you. As long as you live, I will not leave you. That's what that verse is. So that's what Elisha was telling Elijah. 
God's life, because we don't use the term Yahweh, but God's life is in you. Let's, let's, put it, let's put it the way we know it. Eternal life. The God kind of life. The kind of life that makes people look at you and say, you've been with Jesus. The kind of life that raises dead people, cleanses lepers, causes men to walk on water, opens blind eyes, unstops deaf ears, causes legions of demons to come out of people and go into pigs. The kind of life that shakes cities and nations, that turns the world right side up. Amen. All glory to God. God's life. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's that same life that touched you at that altar that you prayed and asked Jesus to come into your heart. It was that same life that picked you up and turned you around and set your feet on solid ground. It's that same life that caused you to look at your old life and say, I'm not satisfied with the way that I've lived any longer. I can't have it that way anymore. It's got to be different. Something has to change. Boy, I'm preaching. Listen, you, you, know, you know when you're living in that flow of life and when you're being influenced by that flow of life. Because when you're being influenced by that flow of life, it doesn't matter what the opposition says. It doesn't matter what the devil says. It doesn't matter what your mama says or what your daddy says or what your nappy-headed granny says. All that matters is what God said. Amen. And you'll do whatever it takes <laughs> to, to live in that <laughs> to live in that post-resurrection life, eternal life, that that after his death, burial, and resurrection kind of life. Man, I'm telling you, you'll give, you'll give it all. It's what, Peter, it's what Peter said to his Elijah. Peter said to his Elijah, where would I go? Oh, my God. Oh, that every Christian that lived today had the kind of relationship with God that when the going got tough and when things became difficult, they'd look to God and they'd say, God, where would I go? Where would I be without you? There's no other place for me to go. You alone have the words of eternal life. You alone hold the key to heaven on earth. Listen, I know some of you have been through hell, but I'm telling you, there is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. You may have gone through hell, but you didn't stop there. Amen. You went through. Glory to God. It gets better on the other side. You may be in the middle of it right now, but I'm telling you, there is an eternal life and God has supplied it to you through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And you can tap into that flow today before you leave this building. You'll have to turn away. Listen, you'll have to turn away from your dead ways. You'll have to quit relying upon the things that you relied upon in the past. Listen, I'm not doubting that some of you may be the most intelligent people on this planet. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how intelligent you are. I don't care how successful you've been on your own. Some of you say, I'm a... I'm a uh, 
I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. No one can take credit for what. Listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I don't care how self-made you are. I don't care how successful you've been on your own. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. There is nothing that, there is nothing that God wants us to rely upon ourselves for. Everything we can have and everything we can carry in the last days, we can carry because of that eternal life. Listen, Elijah, Elisha, when he, when he saw Elijah, he recognized it. See, you, you, think, I'm, you think I'm being crazy right now. This is, this is the reason why financial a blessing and supernatural increase come when we get in that flow of eternal life. Because now all of a sudden we've gotten away from trying to take care of ourselves and we started living the way God intended for us to live, trusting and believing that he would take care of us, that he would supply every need that we have according to his riches and glory. And we just go to living in that, in that a God kind of life. Jesus, you know, Jesus even revealed to us what the, I, I, I'm not going to get into Elijah because I don't have time. Go, go to John, book of John. Glory. John chapter 10. <laughs> Boy, I wish I had my spirit-filled life Bible. I couldn't find it. Did I give somebody that Bible here? I couldn't find it. It was, it was with my books. John chapter 10. Verse 10. Look what it says. Man, listen, Carol, I'm about to fall out myself. I'm about to have me a Holy Ghost fit. See, you know, some of us had to rely upon that life to get through life. Some of us didn't have the... Now, I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody, but some of you had the a benefit of, of uh, college learning and, and academics. Some of you had mentors that took you up under their wing and, and taught you the ways of the world and the ways of business and the ways to be successful. Some of you, you know, you've, you've, had, you've had these kind of influential people in your life. But you know what? I, was, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't born in that environment. I was born in an environment where there was a poverty mindset, where you never knew what you was going to have, when you was going to have it. And, and I was very selfish. And everything I did was very self-serving. And I didn't trust nobody. And I sure didn't trust God, someone invisible that I couldn't see. If I was going to make it, I was going to have to make it on my own. You understand? And so when the Lord touched me at 15 years of age and he saved me, and he called me to the ministry two months later, and then eight months, no, uh, nine months, uh, uh, ten months after that, I go full, a year after I got born again, I went full time into the ministry at the age of 16. 12 months after I got born again, I dropped out of high school to go into the ministry. I don't have my diploma. I don't have a GED. And I'm not saying this being proud. I don't have a diploma. I don't have a GED. Yeah, but you went to Bible school. I tried. I sent in the application. Or I went, I was going to send in the application. 
I was going to go to Rama Bible Training Center. I was stoked about going to Brother Hagen's school. I walked to the mailbox with that envelope in my hand. When I went to put it in the mailbox, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, don't do it. I was like, but Lord, I need learning. He said, I'll teach you what you need to know. I was like, but Lord, he said, if you go to that school, you will not be able to develop the faith that I need you to develop. He said, you'll get to a place and you'll operate in a measure of what I have for you, but you'll never operate in the fullness. And so I took that, I took that envelope. I tore it up in pieces. My dad, at that moment, my dad said, you're on your own. He said, if you're not going to go to school, if you're not going to even go to Bible school and you've quit high school, then you've decided to be an adult and now it's time for you to take care of yourself. He took the keys to the car. He took, he took everything that, that he had purchased for me and he's like, now you're on your own. You can stay here and I'll decide what you're going to pay for rent if you're going to pay rent. Thank God he never charged me. So when you're a 16-year-old kid, you don't know, come here from Sikkim. Are y'all hearing me? I wasn't ready. You say, you wasn't ready to go into the ministry. I know I wasn't ready to go into the ministry, but it's God's will for me to go into the ministry. See, we're we're so full of ourselves that we think that we have to be ready to do God's work. You weren't ready to get saved, brethren. You've never been ready for nothing God put on you. Not one bit of it. You weren't ready to sing. You weren't ready to lead. You weren't ready to help other people. And for all the training, that some, some of you have so much training that you could probably pastor most of the churches that I've gone to preach in over the years. Training, 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 training. Well, you know, the model of the Bible, Jesus trained his disciples for... No, listen, Jesus was like, that was, Jesus was rough. (laughs) Jesus took his disciples and he told them some stuff. And then he said, now I'm giving you authority to cast out devils. This whole idea that he trained them. No, man, he threw them in the mix. He's like, go. If they don't like you, leave. That's what he said. He said, go. If they don't like you, leave. Kick the dust off your feet. Go someplace else. He said, by the way, don't take any money. Don't take your coat. Don't take an extra pair of shoes. He said, just go. And I'm going to show you that I'm going to take care of you. And they, and they went. You remember, y'all? They went. And when they went, they came back. They're like, woo-hoo! Is that what they said? They're like, woo, Jesus. The devil had to listen to us. And Jesus was like, be careful. I saw, I saw Satan fall like lightning. But later on in the book of Luke, he asked him, he said, when I sent you out without purse, without script, without a coat, he said, did you lack anything? And you know what their response was? No, Lord, we lacked nothing. Why? Why? Because they, they had a bunch of partners? Because they started to go fund me? I am preaching. See, when I started out, there wasn't no social media. It was do what God said. 
or don't do what God said. And, and like, like many that came before me, I stepped out and every step that I took, he met me at every step. I didn't have a dime to, to go to the next place, but somehow that dime would come in. Somehow that finance would come in. Somehow that miracle would come. Amen. Many times it came through Ted and Debbie. Many times the Lord used them to bless me, to get me from one place to another. Sometimes they didn't have enough to get me home just to get me there. Come on, y'all. Boy, I am preaching today. I know, I know some of you, I've had it so rough. I've had it so rough. Listen, what did you think? What did you think it was going to be like? Did you think it was going to be a tiptoe through the tulips? Did you forget what's going on? Not only are you fighting the devil, but you're having to fight that old man that you used to be. That old, wretched, miserable scoundrel. Are, are you hearing me today? That old, that, listen, that miserable scoundrel that every time, my old man, every time it went through a hard time, it wanted to go. That's what my old man wanted to do. My old man wanted to get high. My old man wanted to find a bottle and crack the top and chug it down and forget about my troubles. Heck, I've told this story before. I'm not very often. I've told it before. I remember one time Ted sewed into me to go to a church to preach. It was after is is early days. I was, I was uh, uh, seventeen. Is after people had gotten fillings in their teeth. And every meeting that I went to after God manifested fillings in people's teeth, because I mean I'm a man. That happened in a Mennonite. I don't know if when the Lord did that miracle the first time in our meeting. That happened in a Mennonite meeting. God filled a bunch of Mennonite kids' teeth with gold and silver. Pro- probably probably a couple hundred people. Feelings immediately, I mean, just immediately. And the Spirit of God broke out in that meeting. But this pastor calls me up and says, I want you to come preach. We want to have a miracle meeting. Because after that, our meetings were packed out. I'd go to the Mennonite church I got saved in, the one me and Annie were a part of. I went there. There were people that were actually sitting on the hoods of their cars outside with the windows open while I was preaching in that meeting. People were sitting behind glass in the kitchen and in the, and in the foyer. We couldn't get everybody into the building. It's not a very big building, but we couldn't get everybody in the building. And that was happening everywhere we were going. I was, I was 17 years old. So this pastor calls me and said, I want you to come. I want you to come hold these meetings for us. We're going to have a miracle service. I said, sure. So I went over there to have a miracle service. I went a week early. He said, get here a week early or two weeks early because I want us to promote this meeting. So I went two weeks early. Annie and I were dating at the time. I went two weeks early. Ted provided the money to get me there. But he didn't have enough money on his credit card to get me back. So I went. After being with this pastor for a week and us going and visiting people, inviting people to the meetings, this pastor comes home one day and he says, I want you out of my house. I was like, what? He said, get out. I was like, what's going on? He said, you know what? He says, I've, I've, 
He says, I've already, I've already got out of you what I need. Everybody's going to come to the meeting. He says, uh, I've, I've got all the promotion done. I need to get done. He says, I'm going to do the meetings. You can get out of here. I was like, uh, where do I go? He said, I don't care where you go. Let me, let me tell you, while I was staying with him, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the Hyatt Regency people. I slept in a bunk bed in his son's room, the bottom bunk, and his son peed the bed. One night, one night I woke up thinking it was raining. It was raining all right. I, I, I got off the bed, I went and cleaned up, and then just slept on the floor. This is how this pastor was. Get this, this is how this pastor was. The next day... I said, hey, your boy, he, he peed the bed. I just wanted to let you know because, you know, I figured you probably want to, you know, clean up the mess. And I had things to do that day. I went and did them. Came back that night. The son wasn't in his bed. I looked and the bed was the exact same condition as when I left. I slept on the floor. Next day I got up and they were like, why didn't you clean the bed? Why didn't you clean up the bed? I said, me? Yeah, why don't you clean up the bed? I said, well, that's your kid's pee. I don't want to touch it. Well, who do you think you are? I was like, well, I'm, I'm 17, and I, I'm not even sure I knew how to, you know, I'm not even sure I knew how to tackle that. You understand, when you're 17, you don't know how to tell me. If it had been left up to me, I'd have taken it out back and burned it. <laughs> so I get kicked out. I call Ted. I said, Ted, they've kicked me out. I, I was relying upon the offering. That was when I was still, when I would go places and, and hope that the offering was halfway decent because I, wouldn't, I wasn't going for the money, but my prayer was God bless us with something. I was fasting every other day, couldn't afford to eat every day. Had to get money to come home, hopefully. What are we talking about here? We're talking about supernatural increase. We're talking about, we're talking about the, to tap into the flow of supernatural increase, you've got to tap into eternal life. Amen. I'm almost done. So Ted, I called Ted, and I said, Ted, they threw me out. Ted's like, why'd they do that? I said, I don't know. Guy's demon-possessed. <laughs> Ted said, I don't have any money, but I'll come get you. So Ted loaded up his van, and he got in his van to take off to come pick me up in Ohio. 14-hour, 15-hour drive. He got, he got close to the turnpike uh, uh, what is that turnpike goes to uh, Tulsa? Turner Turnpike. And transmission goes out in his van. He gets a tow to the transmission shop. They put a new transmission in. He calls me up. Or I call him up because we didn't have cell phones. I'm like, Ted, I'm waiting for I was sleeping outside. You understand? I didn't have no place to go. Ted, where are you at? I was trying to come, brother, but my, my van, the transmission went out. But I, I got it fixed. I'll be there. 
I'll be there in a minute. I'm going to make a long story short. The transmission in that van went out in two, two days or three days? Within The transmission went out in that van nine times. Nine times. He, every time he'd take off to come, transmission would go out. Finally, I'm, I call him. I'm like, Ted, what's going on? Say, I've been there now uh, wet, stranded, kicked out for three days. He's crying on the other end of the phone. I'm trying, brother. I've tried. I don't know what the devil. We need to pray. We need to pray. He went, he went to our home church, church I attended. Said, can you help Brother Ziggy? He's stranded. My pastor tells him, let the saints over there help him. See, that's why you go to a church where you don't, you're not going, amen. You come up here and you're a preacher and you testify in this meeting like Sean Strong did. We, you know what? We, we got Sean Strong a room. We bought him lunch that day. And I sent, him, I sent him out of here with an offering probably better than what he got for three days of meetings. You understand? Ain't nobody going out of here like that. You know, that's, that's how you get in that flow of life. Come on, y'all. At least smile. Amen. So Ted, he's just, he's crying. And I said, finally, he got, a, he said to this, this woman said, she, she, he must have looked so pathetic because she came to him. She said, I'll take you. And it was, she wasn't even nice about it. I guess I'll let you use my van, but I'm going to go with you. So Ted got in this van with this woman. They drove 15 hours. I was literally in the parking lot of the mall with my stuff waiting. They pull up, and that van door opens up. Ted comes out, tears and snot and slobber. (laughs) He hugs me. He says, I'm so sorry, Brother Ziggy. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I could. I said, Ted, I'm just glad you made it. We got right back in that van, and not we didn't stay for. We got right back in that van, drove 15 hours straight back to Oklahoma City. We're trying to figure out how to walk in eternal life, weren't we, Ted? I tell you, we didn't. No bitterness, no root of bitterness, not in my heart. Someone told me, they said, what was wrong with that guy? I said, I think he might have had a demon. You know, what? I'll, t- I'll tell you what happened to him. About three months later, he went to prison for insurance, for insurance fraud, for, for all these things. It's like, I didn't go to prison. I kept my mouth shut. I kept my mouth shut. It's only recent that I've even started telling the story. I mean, that happened years ago, and I never told it till just recent. That fellow right now lives in the Philippines. He's probably hiding. He's not in the ministry anymore. <laughs> but you know what? We persevered. We persevered. You, you've got, listen church, you've got to understand, there's a reason why there are people that are standing in pulpits in front of you. 
They're, they didn't get where they got because every time they felt sick, they stayed home. Because every time some difficulty came, they gave, they gave up. Because God changed his mind every time they faced opposition. Oh, you know, that's, I finished my assignment. Lord sent me someplace else. No, you didn't finish your assignment. You've gone everywhere and finished nothing. There's going to come a time where you have to choose whether you're going to go after eternal life or you're going to go where everybody else goes. I'm, I'm going to say this. I'll finish with this. Oh, my gosh. Time flies when you're having fun. And I, I am long-winded. Listen. It's just the way it is. If you go across the street, you can go to three services in the time you're here. You could probably go through four services in the time that we're here. You just go right out of there. I'm not, I'm, not being, I'm not being ugly. There's a place to go if you want short. But if you want to grow, if you want to grow. Now, I'm not saying I shouldn't even brought that up. But how many of you this is helping you right now? How many of you this is helping you to understand here? Because some of you, God called you, and he anointed you, and his hand is upon you, and he has a ministry for you, and some of you trying to figure out why you haven't arrived yet. I'll tell you why. Because every time you come to that place where you have to choose hard, where you have to choose eternal life, where you have to choose going that direction. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. I, you really, you know, I, I enjoyed being there up until now. They were such good people until. Oh, you're on it now. <laughs> Do you know how many times Carolyn had left the ministry? <laughs> I got people upset with me because we had service and people were getting COVID during revival. And I think they made the assumption people getting it because of revival, but they weren't. They were getting it at work. They were getting it at school. They were getting it. At Walmart, they were getting it at everywhere. Salazar Roofing. No. So when you, got, when, you, when you come up against things that are difficult, I mean, you can even look at the difficulty, and, and some people have never made it through a difficult season. They hit a rough spot, and they quit going to church. The minute they hit a rough spot, they're done. I mean, we don't see them no more. We call them on the phone. Where are you at? Well... We got air conditioning, heat. It's a beautiful facility. It smells pleasant. Nice bathrooms. Heck, up till now, you can go in there and get a bottle of water if you wanted. We need to put a stop to that because we went through like 17 cases during revival. But anyway. <laughs> I went, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going. I'm, 
I'm not coming no more. Well, why not? Well, Carolyn, oh, Carolyn. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. If Carolyn can keep you out, you better know good and well the devil's got you had. Well, you know, pastor, he, oh, me? If I can keep you out, you in trouble. You in trouble. See, we got to dig in right now. We got to be like a dog tick on a dog's ear in the middle of summer. You understand? We've got to hang on. Because you may not be experiencing the flow of God's blessing that comes with woo, eternal life. I'm going to read one last scripture. That's going to be the finish. On, this last scripture is going to indicate I'm done. <laughs> John 10. John 10. Look what it says. Verse 10. The, the thief cometh not. But for to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I am come, oh, that they might have life. Who is they? Who is they? Glory to Look at someone say, you're they. Look at someone else say, we are they. Look up in the air, say, I am they. I am come that they might have life. But that's not it. And that they, look at the baby even shouting. And that, <laughs> go on girl. And that they might have it more abundantly. You know what, you know what that life abundantly is? Eternal life. Eternal life. That word abundantly means this. Superabundance. You know, you know what that means? That means superabundance means that when you have joy, it's not just joy like everybody else. It's an abundance of joy. That means when everybody else like this, <laughs> you like Miss Rhonda. Ha ha ha. Ha 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 ha. I love it. Every Sunday, I love it. I know when she's here because the minute I, the minute I can hear her go, Ha, ha, ha. I'm like, Miss Rhonda's in the house. Glory to God. But there's an abundance of joy. Amen. You're not just healthy, you're whole. Walking in divine healing and in divine wholeness. You're not poor. Amen. Glory to God. Because the word says this now let the weak say, I am. Let the poor say, Let the sick say, Hey, that's eternal life. Bless God. Someone needs to stand up and shout about it. Glory. Superabundance. Excessive. Stay standing so I know I'm done. It means excessive. Profuse. More than enough. Overflow. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite is this, surplus. Yeah. 
That's what Peter was talking about. That's what Elisha was talking about. That's what we're talking about here. That rich young ruler, he wanted eternal life. Now, we never even got to it. Maybe we'll get to it next week. That rich young ruler, he wanted eternal life. And Jesus' response to him was, do these things. He said, I've done them all. He said, one thing you lack. You know what it is he said? Sell whatever you have. Give to the poor. Then come take up your cross and follow me. The Bible says that rich young ruler went sad, away sad at the saying. said, because he had great possessions. And that's true. He had a lot of stuff. But the reality was this. Great possessions had him. His stuff had him more than he had stuff. And then Jesus broke something down. We'll talk about it next week. Jesus broke it down and he told them how things ought to be. Is this helping anybody here? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So we're, we're, we're talking about this. And, and again, I know some people, they assume the minute we go to say and we're going to talk about supernatural increase, they think we're about to hand out $1,000 envelopes and we're about to, you know, sell fish hooks from Peter's tackle box or toothpicks carved out of the cross of Jesus or something. But for your love gift of, you know, I'm going to tell you something. We have, we've, we have abounded in this church financially, unbelievably, supernaturally. I take no pride in this, but there are preachers that are jealous of where we stand financially as a church. There's some, there's some preachers look at us, they're like, man. Now, I know some people are like, well, pastor, but you don't seem like you're, you're, you're not quick to spend money. That's why we have it. Because you've got to be wise. Most of our money that goes out of this church goes to ministry. The biggest expense we have as a church, even being in this facility, is not the facility. We're still spending more on outreach. We're still spending more on... Y'all know, y'all sowed over grand in the offerings last week. Y'all sold over $10,000 in the offering last week. And you know what? Just like you know, always do, you gave more to me than you gave to anybody else. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. Nobody left here. Nobody left here going disappointed. In fact, some of them tried to give it back. I'm like, no, Ben, I gave, I gave Ben his offering. He's like, I don't want that. I came to, I came to have revival. I said, I said, I know, I, I know you don't have to take it. I said, but we're giving it to you. We get to, we get to bless you. He said, well, he said, man, you've already blessed us. The room, and he said, all of this food, you, y'all left it. We're, we're leaving out of here like ticks, full, full. I'm like, good. He said, and it was good food. I'm like, yeah, awesome. We blessed them big time. And so the, the, the money on top of that was just a blessing to them. So we were able to send everybody out of here abounding. Abounding. Glory. Doesn't that make you feel satisfied in your heart? Amen. Praise God. Because nobody's ever going to come to this church and be like, well, you know, those dirty rats, I didn't even have enough money to put gas in my car. Heck, the one time, the one time, y'all, 
Remember Charles, Wal Charles Walters? Man, I love you, Charles, if you're watching. But man, when he said to all you, when he said to y'all, Lord spoke to me, told me you're supposed to sow to your pastor. I was like, I was in the back. For those of you who don't know, I, I was in the back. I was like, he's like, I was an old, because that's a tactic the old, old preachers will use to try to get an invite back, because pastors are usually struggling, you know, and so they'll take up an offering for the pastor so that they get an invite back. Oh, yeah, praise God. Yeah, come back, brother. But I knew that if you guys had an opportunity to give to me, he was about to, he's about to lose his whole offering for the whole week. I'm like, bro, second night, Brandon, second night. I'm like, no, nah, he did it. Sure enough, I, I think, I think y'all sold $6,000 that night to, to Annie and I. And then at the end of the week for uh, when we when we counted the offering for Charles Walters was three hundred dollars because y'all gave it all on our night. You know, I'm not I'm not self. I I I gave the half of what we got to Charles Walters because I wasn't about to send him out of there with no three hundred dollars. And, and to be honest with you, we could have taken it out of general fund, but I wanted to sow into his ministry. So we took the half of what y'all gave us. We gave it to Charles. And I, and I told him, I honestly, I told him, I said, bro, don't do that here. Do that someplace else, but don't do it. I said, because if you do that here, you're not getting anything. Because our people love us. They want to they be a blessing to us. So this, this isn't about trying to collect. We're, we're, we're talking about this because I want you to get into that flow of eternal life. It's, it's, it's important. Not only to you receiving financially, but for you to come uh, into being everything God's called you to be, wants you to be in ministry. You're, go, you're going to go through trouble, but you've got to choose eternal life. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've said to us today. God, we're grateful. We're grateful for all that you're saying and all that you're doing here at Winner's Church. And Lord, we pray that, um, whoo, shedeo, so reach out, touch somebody. Boy, I just felt the spark of the anointing. Shedoborosikaraduya. I just felt the spark of the anointing of God. I loose the Spirit of God on you right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that the fire of the Holy Ghost will saturate everyone in this house. Lord, that not one person will be minus that flow of life and life more abundantly. But Lord, that people will look upon us and know that we've been with you because we flow in that eternal life, because we we exude that life because that life flows out of every pore of our being, out of every word that we speak, out of every prayer that we pray, out of every person. God, every time we touch someone, that life. So we lose that God in this house today. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, everybody that believed it said amen. 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 Listen, I've kept you so long, I'm not going to keep you any longer. The offering is here. Amen. David, come, please. Some of you, I want to introduce you to a visitor we have today. Uh, David's not a visitor. David, <laughs> David just got back from deployment. Some of you don't know. He's been gone for six, over six, six months, seven, seven months, something like that. And this is, this is Hilda's man. And uh, 
She claims him. But David is actually my associate. He's the youth, youth pastor here. He and, he and Hilda are our associate pastors. And it's good to have you home. Yes. I'm so glad that you're here. But uh, amen. So if you're not acquainted with David, take some time, get acquainted. Well, boy, I feel the anointing up here. I don't know if you're feeling anything, but I'm up here buzzing big time. Amen. I'm still over there. But it's good to have you back, David. I'm glad you're here. Praise the Lord. We tried our best to take care of Hilda and Amelia the best we could. And uh, not quite like you could, but we, we tried. And uh, amen. So we're just glad you're home. Did anyone notice that we've made some remodeling up here? These guys knocked this out in three days. It's a little better on our ears with my boy behind the cage. So, but praise the Lord. And, and you know what? Honestly, uh, we, we got quotes and different things. Eric, you know, if you want a project to get done, talk to Eric. Boy, Eric will get it pushed through. But um, <laughs> Michael, too. Michael, Michael, Michael pushed this whole building through. So, <laughs> Can't, you can't take anything away from Michael. But um, anyway, long story short, the, here's how the Lord blesses us. This, uh, this cage, drum cage, we, we looked online we, last week when the one fell during revival. You know, that cheesy thing we had. And um, I mean, we got this, we got a blessed ministry. We had like a $10, you know, drum cage. But anyway, um, we priced it 20 grand to, to put one of these in. 20 grand. Eric said, Pastor, let me, let me find out. Anyway, I got the total from Eric, $3,300. Amen. $3,300, and they built this to hide wires, and then they put a door on the nursery that splits. Amen. So they did a bunch of stuff. They, it was a big-time blessing. So God's moving. He's helping us. We're working. We're moving forward. Listen. If you don't have a home church, I just want to say this to you. Welcome home. Welcome home. We're glad to have you. We're glad you're here. But uh, uh, go in his presence today. Before you leave, love someone because you do. We're back here Wednesday. I will be here ministering Wednesday. We're going to continue on the gifts and the ministries of the Holy Spirit on Wednesday night. Uh, We're teaching on uh, the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit. So I would encourage you to come. We're getting into some great stuff. but I love you. I appreciate you. I thank God for you. Um, I, if you needed personal ministry today, someone will, someone will catch you before you go, I promise. You're not going to get out of here without somebody praying for you. But, um, but I love you. Go in his presence, and I'll see you guys. Some of you Wednesday, of course, outreach on Friday, and then we'll be back here next Sunday. I will be here next Sunday. Hey, I pick up the airplane tomorrow. Praise God. 